Three words. That's all it took to change Phil Hansen's life. If you ever have a chance to watch his brilliant TED Talk, I want to encourage you to do so. Phil is an incredible artist. When he was in art school, he was focused on pointillism, which is an art form that uses lots of tiny dots to form a picture. Here's just one example of what Phil drew, and you may not be able to see it fully on the screen, but those are all tiny little dots. As time went on, Phil developed a tremor in his hands, and he found he could no longer draw properly, and so he would tighten his grip on his pen to try and stop the tremors, and of course it became a vicious cycle because the more he tightened, the worse that the tremor became. Straight lines became squiggles. And perfectly round dots became tadpole-like in their appearance. His lifelong dream of becoming an artist was shattered, and he ended up leaving art school. And for the next few years, he wandered around aimlessly, trying to figure out what to do next. And eventually, he went to see a neurologist, and after a bunch of testing, it was confirmed that he had permanent nerve damage. And then something unexpected happened. His doctor looked at him and asked him a question. And three words changed Phil's life. The doctor said to him, why don't you just embrace the shake? We all have shakes in our lives. Limitations that hold us back, that hold us down, that stop us in our tracks. Limitations that can be challenging to navigate, whether it's relationships or finances or academic programs, work, physical, mental health. There are so many examples of limitations that we face in our lives. And maybe we'll try to approach it like Taylor Swift and just shake it off, which sometimes works. But here's the question I want us to consider today. What would it mean for us to embrace the shakes and the limitations in our lives? That's what we're going to explore today as we continue in our series, Becoming Your True Self. We're exploring some themes from Pastor Ken's newest book, and if you haven't picked up your copy yet, we'd encourage you to do so. You can come talk to me after the service. Today, we're talking about limitations. Yay! So a bit of a confession here. I don't like limitations. I don't like feeling constricted or restricted or having a lot of boundaries around me. I don't like finding out what my limits are. I'd much rather be talking about pushing the limits, going past the limits, stepping into limitless possibilities in our faith and action and experiences. Limitations doesn't sound as fun. Here's the thing. I've always been an achiever. Actually, I need to rephrase that. I've always been an overachiever. I like accomplishments and success and progress. I like moving forward. Never been too fond of limits and limitations. And yet, as I'll share about later, the reality of limits and that experience of embracing the shake is actually becoming a beautiful and profound metaphor and experience in my own life. We're going to look at a story from the Old Testament that I think speaks to this idea and reality of limitations. And what we can do when life closes in around us or we reach a dead end or we come to a place where we realize we can't keep going. Or maybe we don't have the energy or the capacity left when we're in a place or situation that we just can't look past. And so the story is found in 2 Kings chapter 4. 
And it takes place during the times of the prophet Elisha. Verse 1 says, One day the widow of a member of the group of prophets came to Elisha and cried out, My husband who served you is dead, and you know how he feared the Lord. But now a creditor has come, threatening to take my two sons as slaves. This is an incredibly difficult situation. This woman is not only dealing with the numbness and shock and pain of losing her husband and the father of her children, but as a widow, she's also lost the ability and the resources to take care of herself. In this time and culture, it left her not only destitute, but also vulnerable. She didn't have many options. And so she's left reeling with this significant burden of debt that's now been called in by the creditors. And desperately, she comes to the prophet Elisha, and she begs for help because her sons are going to be taken as slaves in order to clear the debt. So you can imagine all the feelings and emotions and heavy weight and shame that this had to have brought to her family. But I want you to notice something. As difficult, as overwhelming, as intense as this situation is, this woman doesn't pretend like everything is okay. She doesn't try to minimize it or downplay it. She acknowledges its reality. She is present to her moment and situation and story. I think there's something to be said that when we are facing limitations in our lives and challenges, that we need to stop and to acknowledge them and own that moment for what it is. And that takes courage and honesty and vulnerability. As Brene Brown has often said, Owning our story and loving ourselves through that process is the bravest thing that we'll ever do. Owning the reality of the moment, owning the reality of our story, owning the reality of our limitation, embracing the shake. Can we do that for just a moment here? To pause in this space, and if it's helpful to close your eyes, I invite you to do that, but to think about a name, whatever limit or limitations are happening in your life right now. Maybe it's a recent diagnosis. Maybe you're struggling at school or at work. Maybe it's a heavy financial burden that you're carrying or a relationship that's crumbling. Maybe it's a mindset or a habit that you just can't shake off. Maybe you're wrestling with some doubts or questions about God or faith. Maybe you're not doing well in your mental health. Whatever it is, I want you to take a moment right now to acknowledge it, to name the difficulty, the struggle, the wrestling, the limitation that is happening. God isn't caught off guard or surprised by what you're walking through. He wants you to bring it to him with courage and vulnerability. I've always been a high-capacity person. I'm the type of person who, when we would take our kids to Disneyland, would map out the plan of everything we were going to do. And then I'd make sure that we would arrive before the gates opened, and we sure weren't going to leave until the gates were closed. I could see Katie laughing over there. It didn't matter if the kids were little or tired or we had reached our limits. You have to keep going. You keep pushing. You don't slow down because it's Disneyland. Come on. There are no limits. There's no limitations. Well, that's how I've lived so much of my life and worked so much of my life, where I've always had this ability to find that extra gear, 
to dig deep, to tap into that extra reserve, to dismiss limitations until I couldn't. As some of you know, these last few years, and we've shared at various points, have been very difficult for our family. It's taken an enormous toll on us where we've walked through a lot of trauma and grief and loss and pain. And I've tried to push through. And I did. Until there wasn't anything left. In June, I finally acknowledged the spiral I was in. Moving from tired to exhausted to depleted to empty to broken. I'm not going to lie. Realizing that and naming that scared me. And I found myself in a dark place. I never reached the point of wanting to hurt myself or end things, but I was scared. Knowing I had reached a limit I had never felt or experienced before. In an upcoming sermon, I'm going to share a little bit more about the depression that I've experienced. But for now, I want to say that naming the place I was in, acknowledging it and owning it and sharing it with safe and trusted friends and my doctor and my counselor was a significant first step in my continuing, ongoing healing journey. It's going to be a long road back, but overall, I'm making progress. Owning my story has been an important lesson to experience. But here's the opposite truth. When we don't name our limitations, it can often lead to shame because we begin telling ourselves things such as, I'm a failure. I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not capable. I don't have capacity. I'm not enough. Shame comes against our self-worth and our identity. Strips away at our real self, especially when we feel like we don't measure up or we're not making it or we've become limited by our limitations. And yet shame doesn't have to have the final word. The story doesn't have to end there. Let's look at what happens next. Elisha asks the woman a question in verse 2. He says, what can I do to help you? Tell me, what do you have in the house? Such a great question. What do you have in your house? What do you have around you and in your hands and in your life that, as small as it seems, might actually be the conduit and the catalyst for a next step or a breakthrough or a new door to open in front of you? What do you have in your house? The woman replies, nothing at all, except little jar of oil. I have nothing other than just a little bit of something that seems so small, so insignificant. I have this little bit of oil left, but it's so limited in its quantity and ability to make any difference in my situation and reality. How often can we look at the things in our life, the ordinary things, and think it doesn't make a difference, doesn't have any effect? And yet it is most often in those little things that God is planting something deep within, something that's going to take us to a new place. Elisha is saying here, embrace the shake. Embrace it. Embrace the little that you have. Embrace the limitations that you have. And open up your heart and hands and mind and reality to what he wants to do. 
When Phil Hansen heard those words from his doctor to embrace the shake, it opened up new possibilities for him. Even though he couldn't do art the way that he used to, he embraced his limitations, and over time, he actually began to celebrate them because it opened up new creative paths for him. So much so, he then started voluntarily putting limitations on himself so that he would be encouraged to look at life differently. I want to show you just a short little clip from his TED Talk, because it's fascinating. At this point, I was spending a lot of my evenings in... Well, I guess I still spend a lot of my evenings in Starbucks, but I know you can ask for an extra cup if you want one. So I decided to ask for 50. Surprisingly, they just handed them right over, and then with some pencils I already had, I made this project for only 80 cents. It really became a moment of clarification for me that we need to first be limited in order to become limitless. I took this approach of thinking inside the box to my canvas and wondered what if instead of painting on a canvas, I could only paint on my chest. So I painted 30 images, one layer at a time, one on top of another, with each picture representing an influence in my life. Or what if instead of painting with a brush, I could only paint with karate chops? So I dipped my hands in paint and I just, I just attacked the canvas and I actually hit so hard that I bruised a joint in my pinky and it was stuck straight for a couple weeks. Or, what if, what if instead of relying on myself, I had to rely on other people to create the content for the art? So for six days, I lived in front of a webcam, I slept on the floor, and I ate takeout. And I asked people to call me and share a story with me about a life-changing moment. Their stories became the art as I wrote them onto the revolving canvas. Embracing the shake. Embracing the limitations opened him up to new possibilities and experiences and realities which never existed before. Which brings us to the final part of the story, the best part, verses 3 to 7. Elisha said, borrow as many empty jars as you can from your friends and neighbors, and then go into your house with your sons and shut the door behind you. Pour olive oil from your flask into the jar, setting each one aside when it is filled. And so she did as she was told. Her sons kept bringing jars to her, and she filled one after another, and soon every container was full to the brim. Bring me another jar, she said to one of her sons. There aren't any more, he told her. And then the olive oil stopped flowing. When she told the man of God what had happened, he said to her, Now sell the olive oil and pay your debts, and you and your sons can live on what is left over. And so here we see Elisha instructs the woman to take what little she has, which is almost nothing, and to find as many empty containers as she can find. I'm sure finding empty containers wasn't too much of a challenge. That's not the hard part. Her cupboards are already bare. Her jars are already empty. And she's asked to lean into the generosity of her friends and her neighbors and people around to borrow all of these different jars. And then, Elisha says, start pouring the oil. Can you imagine how crazy that must have sounded? That here, he's saying, take the little that you have. She knows all she has is a little bit of oil. She knows she's limited by what's in her hand because she's seen it. She's measured it. That's it. She knows. She's measured. She's seen it. 
but she doesn't let that reality have the final word. And so with faith, she steps forward and she says, I'm going to trust. And she begins to pour again. And all of a sudden, what she thought was empty takes on a different level. And so she grabs another jar. She says, this shouldn't be working like this. And she takes this jar. This time, she's like, can't work a second time. And yet it somehow does. And she goes and she said, that doesn't, I got to try this one more time. Because here it was, I'll do it on this side now. It was empty. We saw it go empty. God says, just keep pouring. Keep trusting. Can you imagine? Somehow it keeps pouring and she comes from this realization that from her limitations, from embracing her shake, from the littleness of what she has, God is doing something new, something that begins to create this new reality for her life, something unexpected, something that changes her life. And from her place of limitation comes grace and abundance. The question about surviving becomes a place of thriving. A dead end becomes a new door and an opportunity. Her place of shame turns to a place of provision. As I reflect on my own story and experience and the lessons I'm learning, I see shades of my story and this woman's story. And it gives me hope even in the midst of a difficult, challenging season. People have asked me, how have you been able to keep going despite everything that's been thrown at you? How have you been able to get through this? I don't think there's an easy answer for it. But honestly, a huge part of it has simply been trying to stay present to what I'm going through. Not to gloss over it. Not to minimize it. To acknowledge when things haven't been okay. And to acknowledge when I haven't been okay. I keep coming back to a quote that's helped to reframe things for me at various points in the journey. Here it is. It's okay if all you did today was survive. I have no doubt that some of you sitting here today need to hear those words again. It's okay if all you did today was survive. Take just one more step. It's actually something to celebrate. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Because your story isn't finished. A huge part of embracing the shake has been to lean on the encouragement and support of close friends. Throughout our season, we've had friends and others who have come alongside of us and have lent us their jars when we had nothing else, who have given us support and prayer and love and encouragement along the way. And that's often been the catalyst for us to take one more step, for us to get through one more night. Huge part of embracing the shake has been to acknowledge my own questions and doubts and to say, I may not have the answers here. I may not understand the whys of what we're going through. I may have all of these limitations happening around me right now, limitations in my own mental and physical health, my limitations that I'm helpless. And yet there has always been this fragment of faith that has kept and stuck around this little bit of oil that keeps inviting me to show up, keeps inviting me to pour, 
keeps inviting me to trust God in that process. Embracing the shake. Walking through all those painful limitations has actually opened me up to new experiences and possibilities of God's presence and love in my life. Even from all those times of tears and grief and nothingness and emptiness and brokenness and saying, God, I don't have much. It's just a little right now. I felt God keep gently asking me, show up. Keep pouring. Keep pouring. To be honest, I don't feel in a lot of ways like I've really experienced the fullness yet of what that provision and abundance looks like. There are moments for sure. Seeing God's fingerprints in the dust of my life. One of those little miracles is sitting right there. But even though I feel like I'm still in that first part of the process, I know my story isn't finished yet. And neither is yours. Because God's grace doesn't ride and dry. It keeps spilling out, pouring out, healing us of our pain and shame and limitations and bringing us into a place of abundance and fulfillment. Some of you have experienced that already in your life. God's provision and hand in your situation, circumstances in life, and it's cause for a huge celebration. Some of you, me included, we're still waiting, and that's okay. Because you never know how or when that abundance will come. Maybe an unexpected financial provision, or a new job that provides more than you expected, or a failure or limitation in an academic program may actually spin you into a career or another area of study that you've never considered before. Maybe you're in a dating relationship that you know hasn't been healthy, and maybe God's asking you to trust Him and walking away from Him. You don't know who may just be around the corner that God might have coming into your life. Maybe you're struggling in your relationship with God and he's asking you to step out, to trust him and taking a new bold faith step. You don't know the type of opportunity experience that is waiting for you as you pour. Here's what I think it comes down to. The choice I need to make every day and the choice each of us need to consider in our lives is whether we will embrace the shake and the limitations that we face and entrust them and ourselves to the generosity and grace and love of God. Would you pray with me? Then invite the worship team to come back. And just in these last couple of moments, I want you to consider what part of this story are you in here today? There'll be a whole spectrum of experience. Maybe you're feeling some shame or maybe you're walking through a difficult disappointment or a limitation that has sucked everything out of you or a failure. As we did earlier, to name it, to acknowledge it, to bring it to Jesus with open hands. Maybe you're in a place where you, all you have left is to lean into the generosity of others and those around you and say, hey, would you walk with me in this journey? Would you support me in what I'm walking through? Or maybe you need to be that person for someone who's going through a difficult time. That you bring your prayers, your faith, your relationship to them and walk alongside of them. 
Maybe God's asking you to take the little that you have, and it may seem insignificant, but he's asking you to trust him and to pour it out before him. To trust him, to take a new step. For all of us, we need to hold on to the truth that your story, my story, isn't finished. God is still writing it. God is still doing something new within us. And so Jesus, in this moment, in this holy, sacred space, would you allow us to embrace those limitations, to embrace the shake, to embrace the imperfections and the failures and the things that we hold on to, the things that we have often let define us or have pushed us into corners, and to say we're not going to hold on to that as our identity. Yes, we will acknowledge it. Yes, we will name it. Yes, we will open our hands up. But take the little that we have. Take that little seed of faith. Take that little drop and drops in our lives. And as we trust you with that, in faith we pour it out. We give it to you. And trust you in that process because we know our story's not done. The work that you're beginning here in this moment, Jesus, we feel it. We know you are here. May you continue it and write new and beautiful chapters in each of our lives. In your name we pray. Amen.